What's going on gamers? Welcome back to the Graveyard. I'm the Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for this Graveyard Review of Like a Dragon Inchin. Now look, I was extremely excited when this game came out. This is actually my ninth game in the Yakuza series. At this point, there's only a handful of games I haven't played. There was the spin-off Dead Souls, there was the PSP games, and there was also Like a Dragon Kinzan, or something to that effect, which was another period piece. However, Like a Dragon Inchin is the one that has got a lot of praise over the years. However, it never released in the Western states. Now, a lot of this is because this game actually released in 2014. It was considered a launch title for the PS4 over in Japan. However, the publishers just didn't feel like this would be a big hit in America. At the time, the Yakuza franchise was kind of low-key. It was a hit, but it wasn't a massive hit. It was only on PlayStation. About four years ago, they started putting these games over on Game Pass, and in all honesty, releasing it on Xbox, the hype of going to Game Pass, and then the stellar Yakuza 0, Yakuza 6, and Yakuza Like a Dragon on the PlayStation and Xbox, those sold very well. It's really got the hype around this series just through the roof. Plus, we also had the HD remakes of 3, 4, and 5. So, now, over in the West, you could play all these games. It was starting to get popular, and Sega decided, you know what, it might be time to release this game over in the West. Now, one of the other reasons why this game was kind of held back from the West in 2014 was because the studio that made it, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce their name, it's Rai Go Goto, Gotoko, something to that effect, so please excuse me as I butcher that name, but one of the reasons that studio did not want to sit there and release it was because this game is actually heavily set in a very historic moment in Japan's history. So for them, it just didn't make sense that American audiences would understand that as much as Japanese audiences. Therefore, it wouldn't be a big sell, right? This isn't kind of the, you know, Ghost of Tsushima. Hey, the Mongols are invading. We're going to take a look at this one small family. This is actually like a pretty big deal. Like the guy that you might see and you might recognize as Kiru is actually playing Roma Sakamoto, who, again, if I butcher that name, I apologize who was a very influential person during this period in Japan. So they didn't know if the audiences would connect with it. Well, I'm here to finally tell you how I felt about it, so let's jump in. Let's actually start off with the graphics first, then I'll get to that story to kind of talk about the connection. And the graphics to me, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I had my kind of doubts, you know, this is a remake. I was kind of worried that this was going to be kind of one of those fancy remasters. But no, my good friend Hulking Yoda over at Lost at Sea Gaming, you can find his gaming podcast right here on Spotify as well. He actually said the same thing. He said, wow, every time you share a screen, he goes, I don't think a remaster at all. It actually looks like a remake. And I agree. I mean, this game looks very similar to what you would expect to find on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X games. Now, is it as good as, say, Horizon Forbidden West, which right now, to me, is the best looking game that's ever come out? I would say no, it's not on that level, but it actually holds its own. I mean, there's some great character models. Running through the street looks really good. The amount of action you see while you're fighting, which can be frantic and just this frenzy of lights and flashes and swords and guns going off, it looks great. It holds up well, runs smooth, so I think the graphics are really well done. Occasionally, I do see the remnants of that PS3 slash PS4 release where you know, you might see the side of a building, right? And these are the small details. And because the way the roof is slanted, it looks very flat, but they're supposed to be showing you details. Now, you'd have to go back, you'd have to play a PS3 game to kind of understand what I'm talking about, where there's no depth to the texture. And that's kind of some things that I saw. But again, I'm talking about a roof. When we're talking character models and the way the streets look and your everyday graphics, ah oh man, this game is 
gorgeous. So now let's jump into that story. Let's talk about the connecting factor. And I got to be honest with you. Let, let me give you a little breakdown of what this story is. So Roma Sakamoto, it starts off him, his brother, his pops. They're kind of doing some stuff. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they get bombarded. And your father dies. Now, I'm saying that this is all within the first few minutes of the game. And it, it's a very big deal. So you then go to a different place where you're going to track down who killed your father because the only clue you have is their fighting style and you know it's not from your area you know it's from a different one so you go to track them down there you end up joining a group of other samurais because you're going to track this killer down from within and while all of that is interesting and i was into it and that's about the first six seven chapters around chapter eight you start kind of dealing with some bigger issues some bigger deals going on things that are spiraling out of that japanese organization you're part of and you're going to be introduced to a ton of characters and whatnot. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the point that I completely lost it with the story. I had no idea what was going on anymore. It wasn't until the very end that I kind of got the idea of what was going on. Like I had an, you know, a loose idea. But as far as those details to really keep me gripped into it, i got to be honest with you. They, they just weren't there. And I will always praise the Yakuza series, or now the Like a Dragon series, for the fact that it's been able to take some very convoluted plots but keep me connected the entire way through and come together in a satisfying resolution. I mean, in all honesty, if you go to Yakuza 0, that is two different storylines going on at once, and you're flipping back and forth between both. There's so many details, so many characters, but you stay so connected, and when the end they come together, you're like, oh, man, it was beautiful. This game, though, I didn't feel that. Now, I'm going to kind of claim two different reasons for that. Number one is yes, exactly what the developer said. As an American, I don't know a ton of Japanese history, so to get really detailed in a specific period with specific characters, it is kind of one of those things you're like, all right, on a surface level, I can follow you, but once you start getting deeper, I don't have the context to grip to that. Now, I would kind of compare this to if they made, a, for example, an Assassin's Creed game set during the Civil War. Americans, yeah, sure, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of details and plot stuff that happens that maybe we don't know about from our history books or maybe it's you know games taking certain liberties or whatnot but we should be able to follow it pretty well because we know the general idea we kind of know a lot more details than somebody in say china they'd probably be extremely lost with who are these people what's going on what's the side stuff happening i'm kind of lost so that's the way i connect it so i do think the developers were correct in that where as a you know western person some of the details are going to be lost on me. Some of the context I'm not going to grab. However, the other thing that I think, and I, I praise them for doing this, but I think it might have worked against them, is in this game, like I mentioned, you see Roma, and he looks like Kiru. Well, there's also Majima, there's also Sigma, there's also a lot of other characters that you have played in these games, and I think that kind of messes it up for me as well, and it's exactly what I said. Majima, that's not his name in the game. That's just his character model. That's just what he acts like. But later in the game, when they're referencing his real name, guess what? I never imprinted that name. He's Majima to me. So I never got what his actual name was in the game. Now, that's not a major critique to the studio because I like what they did there. I like that you could instantly see these people and go, okay, I know I'm going to be cool with these guys because I know who they are. But I do think for somebody like myself that just kind of on a surface level said, cool, that's Majima. Cool, that's Sijima. Like, I never got their names. So when they were being referenced later in cutscenes, I didn't know who they were talking about. So some of that kind of stuff does lose its translation, plus, again, the fact that if you didn't know, this game is completely in Japanese, just like all of the Yakuza games, with the exception of the Lost Judgment series and Yakuza Like a Dragon, 
these are all set in Japanese. So, you know, there is reading the context versus hearing it and understanding it. All of that stuff just kind of led to where the plot just didn't grip me. To the point that, I'm not going to lie, like I was really kind of bored after a while because I just didn't get what was going on there. Now, having completed the game, seeing the plot all the way through, giving a little bit more context, as I said, toward the end it starts making a lot more sense. It was actually really well done. I just think that had I had more context of what was going on and some of the very deep details that they talk about, I think it would have enhanced it. So if you know that stuff, I think the story is going to be great for you. If you're somebody like myself, I could easily see this being the game that throws you off. But what about the gameplay? Man, I gotta tell you, this game is slam-packed with things to do. You can do your typical fun stuff like going to doing karaoke. There's a dancing mini-game. There's a dating mini-game. There's, oh man, there's another thing called Another Life. And this is where you actually go. And this is really cool. You meet Heraku. And she's actually Heraku. So there's no getting her, you know, mixed up. But if you know from the Yakuza games, that's Kiru's adopted daughter, if you will. And you can actually go, you live with her, you kind of run a small little farm, you cook meals. I thought that was fun. The cool thing is cooking meals will actually give you different boosts. Now you can sell the meals or you can eat them yourselves and they give you a nice little health boost and whatnot. The farming I thought was a really cool little mini game. There's just a lot of stuff with that and again it's just completely optional. I thought that was cool. Now when you go back into the main gameplay here, let's talk about the combat and I actually think that the combat is one of the best combat systems in this series. It has four different styles. You have the brawler, which is just obviously using your hands and feet, and you can actually pick up different things on the ground and different signs and whatnot to fight. There's the gun, which is basically just using your gun. That's it. You just shoot people. There is the sword, which obviously is just like the gun. You just use your sword. And then there's the wild dancer, which uses a mix of the sword and the gun. And I got to be honest with you, I found a use for all of them. Now, I'll be honest and say that I didn't use the brawler that much. However, I found different spots when, yes, it was more important to use just the sword or just the gun or honestly, just a mix of both of them. For example, for the gun, man, I really didn't use that style by itself a lot, but there were a couple times that it was important. Sometimes you've got a lot of enemies facing you far off and they're shooting at you, so you have to get into cover and you need to just use your gun to kind of clear them out or... You while you get closer. There was another time in a boss fight where the boss's heat move would he'd sit there and he'd shoot this big laser out and if you got caught in it it was going to kill you. If you tried to attack him while he was doing it it was just going to knock you off. However if you shot him you could do a lot of damage to him while he was kind of unable to move as he was doing that animation. That was important. Another boss fight I had three buddies they were taking out one boss and I just they would sit back and just shoot him the whole time. Worked that easy for me. The fighting with just the sword, man, that was actually very useful for a lot of one-on-one -on -one fights. And the wild dance where you used the combo of both. To me, that was useful when you had a crowd of people or when you fought, for example, Majima. I will be honest with you, you fight that character four times in this game. That wild dancer was extremely important because he was so fast. Wild dancer, the drawback to having both weapons is you can't block. However, with the X button, you can constantly spin out of it and kind of move away and dodge. That was extremely vital in that boss fight. So I felt like they all had their purpose. They had a great upgrade system where you were constantly upgrading them the more you used them. A lot of cool upgrades. So I'm not going to complain about the fighting too much. You know, it's Yakuza. It's a brawler. There are some times where the blocking goes a little too much. The Majima fights were always a little annoying when he'd get his heat move because if he hits you with it and you weren't dodging it or you weren't somewhat blocking it, it was pretty much going to kill you if you didn't have at least three quarters of your health. That's just how 
overpowered it was. However, I want to talk about some other gameplay issues I had. And number one being that I didn't really care about the town. I'll be honest with you. The Yakuza series has taken us to many different towns. And while Kamarocho is one that everybody knows and loves and is amazing, there has been some other really good towns as well that I think always had a lot of fun and they always held up. However, in this game, the town for me was very, it was just dull. It was just very basic in the sense of, okay, you're going to have a few shops here. You're going to, you know, go from this point to this point. Like, there just wasn't that flash, that layout that was really cool to go around, that, you know, I don't know, man, that that's something about it that just makes you love Camarocho, the different districts and stuff. This was just very generic to me. I didn't really get into it. On top of that, I got to be honest, I really didn't like some of the pacing in this game. For example, a lot of story missions would start off and you'd be at your, we'll just call it an apartment, a hotel you're staying at, and they'd want you to get to the barracks where the samurais were. However, that meant you started off in the southern part of the map at your hotel, and you had to go all the way to the top of the map to get to where the samurais were. Now, sure, there was some fast travel options. However, that cost money. I'm going to get to money in a second. But it was just a simple fact of, like, I didn't understand why they had you do that every time. Why not just let me stay in this area? There was also the fact that at some points, the pacing of the story just didn't make sense for me. I'm going to give you a little hint at what happens in chapter 14. You're all geared up. It's clear that going into chapter 14, this is the final mission. However, it kind of stops you dead in the tracks because it wants you to go do a date with your love interest. And I'm going to be honest with you, it just felt out of place to be doing all these mini games when I'm, I'm ready to go fight this final stuff. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. And then when you get done with that, then you have to fight your three friends in these training boss battles that you can't lose. You have to beat them. So it just slowed everything way down to you're like, what is going on? That happens a couple times throughout this story where you just feel like this is just out of place. One point, I was running through and the sub-stories, which I loved the sub-stories that I completed in this game. I thought they were all pretty fun, pretty cool. However, there was one period of time where it was just running from one end of the map to the other. I was just bombarded with these things nonstop, and I couldn't get out of them. And it was like, oh my word, I just, I kind of want to complete the next mission. I'll come do this side stuff later. So there was that. There was also the fact that this game literally doesn't tell you enough about what's going on. I mentioned money. So here's the deal. I'm playing this game, and I'm thinking I always maintain about $10,000 or less, right? It's called Mon, right? That's your currency in this game. So I'm like, man, I never really occur that much. And I'm playing through this game, and I get to chapter 13, I believe. And I, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I'm very frustrated because I only have one or two healing items. I see somebody that I can, like a doctor that I can buy healing items from, but I only have like $6,000. That doesn't give me enough to actually buy the medicine. The medicine is very expensive, especially the ones that actually do a good amount of healing. And then even some of the ingredients I have to cook, like I can't make the flour or certain things. So that stuff's expensive, and I'm like, I just, I don't have the money. So I buy like one healing item, and I get into a boss fight, and now I have like barely any health. I have barely any money. I find another guy to buy stuff from, and again, I can buy one thing, and it's like, oh my word. Well, I walk down the street, and I find a pawn shop, and I go in the pawn shop, and I just start selling everything at this point, right? Everything I can that I don't need, I'm selling just so I can hope to make some actual, you know, enough money to go buy some of those healing items. Well, I noticed that as it gets to 10,000, it just resets. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I notice. So in the game, you have your mon. That's your currency, right? Well, every $10,000, it increases your row. And I was at about, I don't know, 44, 45 row. And I only had a couple thousand mon. I had to look it up online. 
like I said, every 10,000, it resets your month because it equates that over to a row. So here I am thinking I have like $3,000. In reality, I have almost half a million dollars. But here's the thing. The game never told you that. And early in the game, I kind of was chopping wood to earn some money, and I kept noticing I wasn't making a lot. However, there's also a different kind of currency in the game, and that's called virtual currency, which is what you use to upgrade that area with Heroku and also some things like your stamina and your inventory. So in the early parts of this game, I got those things confused, messed up, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was just row was just a different currency for a, you know, a different objects or whatever. I had no idea it was the same pot of money. So at that point, don't get me wrong, I was kind of glad that I had all this money built up because then I could easily buy all the health items I need to keep me secure throughout the rest of the game. I could also go and visit the blacksmith, but the blacksmith was another thing that was convoluted. They never really set up how to do the blacksmith. I never could find out. I actually Googled it and went on YouTube, and the first thing every video started off with, this game does a bad job of explaining it. It's a very detailed thing in the game, the blacksmith. It's very detailed. And ultimately, I only stayed service level where I was buying different charms for my different weapons and whatnot. The same thing can be said for gambling, which is the way you're supposed to make money. And look, if you guys heard my Shinmu reviews, I love gambling. I will turn my character into a gambling addict in a video game. I could never figure out the gambling in this game when it came to like the chicken racing. It just didn't make sense to me. There's so many things in this game that I just wish would make more sense. Even the fighting combos, I would see where I'd unlock new abilities and to make these abilities last longer but it never explained how i actually unlocked the secondary weapon which was the spear i had it equipped never learned how to use it i had upgrades for it and everything man and it just never explained it for me so the game doesn't do a good job it kind of leaves you out in the open more than it should so let's talk about trophies let's talk about fun factor i'm going to be honest with you to me the trophies are not the best they're very classic yakuza where they're just complete everything then complete the game on legendary mode and do the completionist list so i'm not gonna lie. i walked out with a decent amount uh, unfortunately i don't feel like this game has the hooks in me like the previous ones where it's like all right i want to go and do all the sub stories i want to go do all this stuff I, you know i'm easy enough to walk away from this game plus to be fair i do have a crunch where a timeline with video games so i don't have the extra time to spend on it so trophies i think if you're just playing like I did, we're just playing the main story and some side stuff, you're going to get a decent amount, but it's not really a platinum chase for me at least. Fun factor, got to be honest with you, I am like, I'm like right in the middle with it, where I love so much about the combat, so much about the fighting and, you know, the characters and the graphics and the different things you can do in the game is really awesome. However, some of the stuff not being told to you, like the blacksmith, which I think would be really interesting to get into, and some of the other things just kind of really... I don't know, man. It kind of holds it back. The story not being able to connect as much kind of took some of the fun factor away. And then there's also little things you can find on the ground. In the beginning of the game, I thought this was so cool where you could pick up little, they're called tickets, right? Like almost like lottery tickets. Prize tickets is what they're called, actually. And you can go to this one store and you can trade in either one at a time or you can do for the bigger prizes five at a time. Here's the problem with that. The first time you spin these wheels, you're going to get a good prize. After that, you're going to spend a lot of tickets before you ever get anything more than fourth place. I think the best I ever got was second place on both of these. And I looked it up online, and a lot of people have said the same thing. Like, it's kind of a waste, man. You can pick these tickets up everywhere, and you can go in and spend for every 30 tickets, you might get a second place. Other than that, you're going to get fourth place. So ultimately, to me, you know, it, it just wasn't what I needed it to be. However, I still say, again, it's right in the middle of the line where you're going to get some enjoyment out of this. It just might not be the most fun for a Yakuza game. 
So that brings me to my final score. And I got to say, you know what? I've talked a little bit uh, negative about this game, very positive about this game. I ultimately feel like this game is an 8. I think that, hey, you know what? I was telling my son, this is probably in my bottom third of the Yakuza franchise for me as far as favorite games go. However, this is still one of my favorite franchises, so that actually speaks a lot for this game. I just feel like they could have done a better job explaining a few things. I also feel like some things could have been streamlined, to be honest. They didn't need to be convoluted. And ultimately, I really just kind of hope this isn't a game that, as people have kind of heard about the Yakuza series, maybe they haven't played any yet, and they saw like a dragon and they enjoyed it, and then they're like, all right, cool, man. Well, what about, what about this game? This is that brawler style I want to try out. I just hope this doesn't turn people away. Because ultimately, like I said, I think this game is an 8. I think it's really well done. I also hope this allows them to maybe import that other game that they made, the Like a Dragon Kinjin, which is set 200 years before this game. That would just be very interesting to get a chance to play this game. So gamers, I would love to know your thoughts on Like a Dragon Inchin. Please let me know, thegraveyardgamer at gmail.com, thegraveyardgamer on Instagram, or thegraveyardg on Twitter. Till next time, I'll be creeping on the graveyard.